We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Well, today let's open up to 1 Chronicles chapter 22. Look what it says in verse 1. It says, Then David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. What we have right here in verse 1 is kind of a discovery. Um, If you guys remember prior to this, what had happened was God was punishing the nation of Israel because uh, he was angry with them because of their sin, and and 70,000 people died. And so the angel of the Lord was there over Ornan's threshing floor. Can you guys visualize like an angel up in the sky? And he had a sword, and he was right there over Jerusalem ready to strike it. And God says, this is what I want you to do. David, I want you to go over to Jerusalem. Then you're going to find Ornan's threshing floor, the Jebusite. I want you to buy it, and I want you to offer the sacrifices there. And so David did that. He offered burnt offerings. He offered peace offerings. And the Bible says that fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, and the plague was stopped. You know, and there's so many ways to look at the scriptures. Uh, I I just, I, I like looking at that and just thinking of Jesus. Thinking of Jesus. You know, we all have sinned. The Bible says that that sin separates us from God. You know, that sin is against God. We've all done that. You know, and so if left in that place, then what we would suffer is the justice of God. We would suffer the condemnation of God. But God doesn't want to judge us. God doesn't want to condemn us. God doesn't want us to perish. God doesn't want us to die. And so what did he do? He gave the sacrifice. And Jesus Christ came down. And died for us on the cross. He was the sacrifice for us. And in that sacrifice, you know, so many of you here, you've already done this. You put your faith in Jesus. And the judgment, the plague, was stopped. Such a beautiful thing to know that that's a transaction that's happened in our life. And some of you here, you're addicted to drugs. Some of you here, you couldn't stop drinking. Many of you here, maybe you fought a lot or You know, maybe you had a sailor's mouth or, you know, perhaps you had no purpose in life. Maybe you were a bad parent. I don't know what the situation was in your life. But Jesus Christ came in and Jesus Christ has saved you. He has set you free. He has lifted the plague, so to speak. That's that's what Christianity really is. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. And you don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to earn your way to heaven. All you have to do is believe. And receive. And when you do that, I'll never forget the day that I did that. It was August 20th, 1989. I just I just said a prayer, I went forward, and I got saved. He wrote my name in the book of life. And my life has never been the same. You know, that's what the Lord has done. And that's kind of what David experienced. You know, when the plague was coming, and this is crazy, the people that were dying, the heartache, the chaos, the life without the Lord is awful. But then, you know, when he offered the sacrifice, which is a picture of Jesus, the plague stopped, and David knew it. David knew, this is where I meet God. This is where 
you know, the temple is going to be built. He says right there in verse 1, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of burnt offering for, for Israel. He just knew it. It was a discovery in his life. And so we're going to see from that point forward, once he made the discovery, he wanted to do everything he can so that the house of God will be built upon this foundation, in this location. And so we read in verse 2, David commanded to gather the aliens who were in the land of Israel, and he appointed masons to cut hewn stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails of the doors of the gates and for the joints and bronze in abundance beyond measure and cedar trees in abundance for the Sidonians and those from Tyre brought much cedar wood to David. I mean, what we're going to see today is that David said, this is where the house of the Lord is supposed to be built. And so what he did then was he, man, he just began to set things in motion. He set his own heart in motion so that that would come to pass, so that this structure, this house of God, could be built. And so they had these you know, foreigners, and they had them cut stones. Any of you here ever been to Israel, just out of curiosity? Some of you have. My wife is like, yeah, I've been there. One day I'm going to go, man. And anyways, if you go, you still see some of the remnants of these stones, 30 feet wide. I mean, that's, that's crazy, man. That's like from there to there. They cut these stones out that weighed 110 tons. And, you know, they got all the iron and they had the, the wood shipped from, you know, down the stream from Tyre and these places. And David just started accumulating things to do what? To build the temple of the Lord. Now, nowadays, we're not really into buildings as much um, because we've realized that it's not really about the building as much. Um, you know, you guys, this is not the nicest building, huh? I mean, there are some real nice buildings out there, and they have gold, and they have stained glass windows, and, you know, they might have other ways of, you know, decorating, maybe some nice lights and stuff. But, but we are still building. You guys know that, right? We're building a church. We're building a church. We're building our families. Did you realize that, moms and dads? You're building your families. You're building your kids. What's going to happen to your children? Don't ever underestimate the value of being just a mom and a dad. You're building your families. We're building a flock. God's building his church. We're even kind of building ourselves individually. And, and once we find out this great discovery of Jesus Christ, then we got to go full bore, man. we got to go like David. He was all in in order to build. And we're going to see that it's much more glorious. I mean, you can go down to Crystal Cathedral, and it's a, it's a great, great, beautiful structure. But, you know, the, is the Holy Spirit really there? I, I, I don't know in that sense. You know, you can go down to some of these churches, and they're beautiful, and they cost a lot of money to build, but is the Lord really moving there? Is there love there because it's a fancy building? No. You go down to China, you go down to some of these caves where they can't be real loud. They can't even have instruments sometimes in their worship. I'm not saying nothing wrong with that, but all I'm saying is that, that there's the Holy Spirit there. 
Oh, yeah. He's there. You know, and, and what God is saying is that we're building. And what David does right here is just so beautiful. He's all in. And, that, and we're going to see it's so beautiful, you guys. And I think we've got to take this and individually we have to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. I think then secondly, it goes to your family. You take care of your kids and you build them up in the ways of the Lord. And the Bible says this, that no corrupt word proceeds out of your mouth, but that which is necessary for edification. Do you realize that the words that you speak can tear your children down or build them up? Yes, mom and dad, you have the power of that word. Teach them the Bible. Encourage them. Build them up so that they can grow up. The Bible says so that they can be arrows that go farther than we've ever gone. You know, I was talking to a couple today, and they're getting married April 25th. I was so excited with the work that God's doing in their life. But I was reminding them, first comes your relationship with God. Then comes your family. Then your ministry. Take care of your family. Build them up. David here, and when you do it, you do it with all, all your might. It's cool because David provided all the resources um, through his victories. They say that the equivalent that David uh, offered for the temple would be probably about today, just in, in, in material, $8 billion. You know, some people, and I don't, we don't talk about this a lot, but they're like, hey, I'll give $5. And, and, yeah, you're contri- contributing $5, and then you go and you spent, you know, $50 there, and you're eating out. And I mean, this is somebody who caught the vision. This is somebody who knows about building up a, a church, about being part of a congregation, about being part of a flock. David says, I'm all in. And he, and he builds, and he provides Notice what happens in verse 5. When I read verse 5, I think of David kind of talking to himself. Now David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. Now, when I read verse 5, and I was talking to my son about this, I was just saying, it's kind of like David's talking to himself. And every once in a while, you've got to talk to yourself. You're like, Manny, that's weird. Well, a little bit. My son's always, is it okay to talk to yourself? And I said, yeah, it's okay, as long as you don't answer, I guess, you know. <laughs> but, you know, you're talking to yourself, and you're, you're thinking about your son, and you're thinking about the work that your son has in front of him. It's monumental. And you look at your son, and he's young, and he's inexperienced. He's not ready for this. David said right here, it says, Solomon, my son, is young. We believe more than likely that when Solomon became king, he was probably in his 20s. Say, how many of you guys here are in your 20s? Just out of curiosity, or you wish you were. I mean, think about it. You know, 25, 26, more than likely late 20s, he becomes king. King of God's people, with this monumental task to build a building for the glory of God. You know, and you might not build an $8 billion building, 
But can I ask you a question? How much is your child worth? You're building up that little boy, that little girl. You're building up your wife. You're building up your husband. You're building up people that God brings into your life. You know, we spoke earlier about not speaking any corrupt word, but the Bible does say, I commend you now to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. That's why what we do so much here is teach the Bible. Some people don't like that. Some people want more. No, the Bible will build you up, right? Make you strong. I'm not talking about mystically. I'm talking about straightforward Bible truth. This is what a husband is. This is what a wife is. This is what a father is supposed to be doing. This is what a pastor is supposed to be doing. This is what a church does. You just know the Bible. You, you read it. You heed it. You learn it. You live it. You love it. And God will take it and he'll show you how to, how to, how to live, what to do. And he'll give you the power you know, to do it. And you build people up. Right here, Solomon is saying, you know, my son, he's young. He's only like 28 years old. He'd never been king before, you know. And so what does he do? He says to himself, you know, this house that's going to be built, notice it's for the Lord. It's not for David. It's not for Solomon. What we're doing here, even in this congregation, and what you're doing there in your house congregation What you're doing in your own temple is you're building it for the Lord, it says right there. And and he says, and it has to be magnificent. I love that. Famous and glorious. I mean, we should be a people who strive for excellence. I want to be an excellent Christian. And I want my children and my wife to be taught in an excellent fashion. I want to be an excellent example to them. I want... This to be an excellent church. This is for the glory of God, right? That's what he's saying right there. But I love what he says right here. Notice, and glorious, why? Throughout all countries. And what's he saying there? That God wants everybody to be saved. Not just the Jews. You know, the whole wide world. You know, and there you have, it's that kind of cool, you know, that, that, that scripture that tells us, it says, Jesus said, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, you know? I mean, it's for the whole world, right? That's why we want to be a healthy, I want to be a healthy Christian, how about you? You know, I I want this to be a healthy church. You know, we have to be healthy. That way we can be helpful. And hopefully, man, one by one, more and more, one day the Lord adds to the church. Next thing you know, he multiplies the disciples. Next thing you know, that person gets saved and they end up becoming a Billy Graham or like a Greg Laurie or a Chuck Smith. People begin to catch in the vision. They realize, you know what? God is alive. There is a God who loves me. And he speaks to me and I listen to him. And, and God, you know, begins to save people. You know, Chuck Smith talked about how when he first started in the ministry, he would always uh, just do like evangelistic messages because he wanted, you know, people to get saved. And the denomination that he was in, they would actually call him every week. How many people got saved this week? 
And he said that he would kind of exaggerate the numbers. And the, the kid that gets saved every week, he would count him, you know, every week, you know. And, and, and then, you know, it became frustrating to him until finally what he started to do is he just started teaching the Bible. And what he did was he built up the, the sheep, just teaching them the word. And what ends up happening was the sheep got healthy, and healthy sheep reproduce. See, that's how God is reaching the world, through Calvary chapels and other churches, is by teaching the word. And then they get the vision, and they start different ministries. It's amazing. But see, that's God's heart. I want this to be excellent. I want it to be glorious. He says, for all countries. And so David said, I'm going to make abundant preparations before his death. You know, and to me, that's kind of cool, you guys, for this reason, you know. Um, when the temple was built, who got the credit? Solomon did. Uh, they called it Solomon's temple. David didn't get any credit. I mean, was no, his name wasn't in the bulletin, you know, so to speak. But it didn't matter. And it shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter who gets the credit, as long as God gets the glory. Amen? And that's where David was. I'm not. Gonna, I'm going to be back here behind the scenes. Preparation. This is just my part. It's not a lot, but this is what I'm called to do. And I'm going to give. And I'm going to get things ready behind the scene. And I know my Solomon. He's going to get his name in lights. And you know they're going to say that it's his temple that he built. The temple doesn't matter because I am doing this for you know the glory of God. And I can just go down this road right here. I can say that God has saved Linda. He's a glorious God. Linda's cool too, but she would say, God, he's a glorious God. He's a glorious God who saved Jane and Andrew and Aaron and Matthew. You look at their life and it brings glory to God. I can go all the way back there and I can talk about Carlos and Augie and Henry and Helen. And I can tell you and show you the temple that's being built. It brings glory to God. It doesn't matter necessarily the instrument that was used to bring him to that place. I don't know all the details of that, and it doesn't even matter. You know, he may get the credit, or Billy Graham gets the credit, but God gets the glory. Because only God can save a soul. Did you know that? You can't save nobody. Only God can sanctify a person and make them more like Jesus. You can't do it. He can use you. But you're just a vessel. It's God. And right here when we see, you know, David saying, I'll, I'll do my part. You know, I'll get some wood. I'll get some metal. I'll, you know, get these stones cut. Make sure you got workers. And I'm going to do, and I'm going to do this with passion. I love, I love the passion that we see here. Look at verse 6. And then he called for his son Solomon and he charged him. To build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name, because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to 
Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. And so David calls Solomon over, and he charges him. He, he commands him. He says, I want you to build. I want you to build this glorious temple. And I, and I hope that you're hearing tonight God's calling you over. And he's saying, I want you to build. I want you to build this glorious temple. I want you to build yourselves up in your most holy faith, Jude says. I want you to build your family. Don't neglect them. Stop neglecting them. And then I want you to build the ministry and the extended ministries and the gifts that God's given to you and the doors and opportunities that he's placed us in. And the, I love what he says to Solomon here. You know, he charges him to build it, and he, and he kind of tells him the way that it was just totally the, the work of God he says, it was in my heart to build it, Solomon. I wanted to build it. But the problem was is that I was too much of a man of, uh, of violence. And even though we know the Bible says David fought the battles of the Lord, it was a man that had killed many people. And so for that reason, his message, if he built the temple, the world wouldn't receive it as much as they would from his son Solomon his son Solomon wasn't a fighter. He was a man of peace. His name actually means peace. And so he says, this is the Lord. The Lord wants you to do it. And, and then he even says there, and, and it was the word of the Lord. This is all prophesied. This is all spoken to us in advance. He says, the word of the Lord in verse 8, it came to me. And it, and it told me all these things. One day you're, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the one who does it. You know, if you read earlier in chapter 17 of this book, uh, David wanted to do it. He told Nathan, hey, I want to build a house for God. Nathan at first said, yeah, build it. But then afterwards, he checked with God, and God said, no. David, um, you're not going to build me a house. God said, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to give you a dynasty. And, you know, there's a lot of cool things in this, uh, maybe even one thing that's kind of cool. What would you do if you said, well, I want to do this great thing for God? And God said, no, I don't want you to do it. I want your son to do it. I want your son in the faith to do it. Would you get jealous? Oh, I hope not. I hope we all have the mentality that says, you know what, son, I pray you go farther than I've ever gone. I will go as far as I can, and I will go deep as I can. But I pray you would go farther, son, biologically, son, so to speak, spiritually. May God bless you. And may you be even stronger than I am. David was so cool with that. He didn't have a problem with that. He wasn't, you know, I think a lot of times Christians are competing with each other. We shouldn't be competing with each other. We should be completing each other. I'll do whatever I can to help you in your walk with the Lord. The word of God had come and told David, no, Solomon, your son, he's going to build it. By the way, David, he's my son. And I'm going to use him in a great and mighty way. And so what happens next is David, um, he prays and he preaches simultaneously. 
And you guys know what I'm talking about? Praying and preaching simultaneously. Do you ever do that with your kids? Lord, I pray you would bless my kids. Help them to repent right now, Lord. And you're praying, you know, with them. And help them to pick up the dishes. And you're praying and preaching at the same time, right? That's what David kind of does right here. And I guess sometimes it's okay. Look at verse 11. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you. And may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God as he has said to you. Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will prosper if you take care to fulfill. You might want to circle that word if. If you take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments with which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed. You know, one thing I will tell you about my pastor growing up in the church that I was in is he would always, always, always tell us that God has a plan for your life. He would always tell us that. And he would always encourage us to go out and to fulfill that plan. And I pray you guys know that. I pray you would know that. Your plan is different than mine, but it doesn't matter. It's still from God. And, and as we're praying, and, and we have to mingle it with praying and preaching. I, you know, I love the three things that he asks you know, of the Lord. Verse 11, now, my son, may the Lord be with you. You know, and really that's all that matters. You know that God is with us. If, if God is with us, then there's no way we're going to go down. Jesus is praying that God would be with you, not in just some, you know, random, general, uh, omnipresent type of theological statement, but the Lord really, truly there in a special manifestation. He'd be with you, and, and may you prosper and, and build the house of the Lord your God. You know, verse 12, may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding. There's a lot of people, they don't have wisdom and they don't have understanding. You see, first of all, it has to start by knowing your Bible. You have to know your Bible. You have to read it and you have to understand it. Remember the parable in Matthew chapter 13 where it says that the devil went and, uh, and he snatched out the seed that had fallen by the wayside. Okay? Now, Jesus explained what that meant. And let me tell you what it meant. It's the person who goes to a Bible study. Jesus said this, and they don't understand it. What ends up happening is the devil comes and he snatches that word away. You know, I, 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 I know you can talk to someone after a Bible study. Hey, what was the Bible study about? Oh, I don't know. You just sat, you just sat in it. You don't know? You want to know why you don't know? Because number one, you didn't come for a, with a hungry heart. And number two, because you didn't understand it, the devil just took it away. Are you okay with that? I hope not. See, when we get into the word and we're looking at, you know, whatever the text might be, if you don't understand it, this is what I want to tell you. Before you go out those doors over there, you come up to the preacher, you come up to the teacher, you go to the person next to you and you say, help me out, man. 
I don't want to leave this place not understanding the Bible that I just read, the study that I just heard. See, we need wisdom. God, give my son wisdom and understanding. You got to first of all know your Bible, then you have to know how to apply it. That's wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. How do I apply it? How do I live as a husband or a wife or a parent or a brother or a sister or a friend or whatever, a worker, a boss? That's wisdom. And then understanding is kind of like not just what to do, but why you do it, the principles of Scripture. Lord, help my son be with him. Lord, help him build this temple. Lord, give him wisdom and understanding. And and what he says right here is interesting. Look at verse 12. And may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel. Now here's something that's kind of cool. If you look over at verse 6, then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house. So can I ask you a question? In verse 6, Who charged Solomon? David did. Right? David did. Now, in verse 12, the prayer is that the Lord would give you charge. In that verse, who charges Solomon? The Lord does. And there is an infinite difference between the charge of man and the charge of the Lord. You know, I charge you guys to understand your Bible, and you may have heard it from from Manny, this wretched, wicked piece of dust that I am. That's nothing. But when you hear it from the Lord, the Lord who's calling you deeper, the Lord who's calling you to this place of obedience and doing what I made you to do to build a glorious temple, when you hear that from him, then it changes everything. And I'm afraid that there are a lot of people and they go to church and they're Christians and they hear a lot of men a lot of times, but they're not really hearing the charge and command of the Lord. And so David's praying that that you know that Solomon would, you know, be in this place and God would be with him and God help him build and God help him prosper and that God that somewhere I don't know if he's going to be on his knees or maybe he's going to be over there walking and somehow he's going to hear that charge of God to build this temple. And when that happens, look at verse 12 and give you charge concerning Israel. When that happens, he says, and then, you know, that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. You know, bottom line is, guys, some people are not obedient because they don't know who's talking to them. And they think it's a guy. And it's not a guy. It's God. And when you know it's God talking to you and commanding you to do this and love your wife and you know read the bible to your children and pray with them and and give 
to the ministry and serve or whatever it might be, then, then you're going to be able to keep the commandments, keep the law of the Lord. And then, I mean, it doesn't take rocket science. It doesn't. And then when you obey God, then you will prosper. Verse 13. If you take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments with which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. He says, come on, be strong, good courage. Do not fear, nor be dismayed. How many of you guys are reading through the Bible? I just had a curiosity. You're reading through the Bible. Aren't you loving the life of Joseph? Oh, man, that was so cool, going through the life of Joseph. But I trip out on this guy. He got sold into slavery. He goes there to Potiphar's house. But, man, he's just still right on, so obedient. And the Bible says, literally, it says that God prospered him. Next thing you know, he goes over to, you know, he gets charged uh, maliciously, and it's not true. And, you know, next thing you know, he goes to prison. But in prison, God prospered him. Wherever you go, whatever you do, wherever you're at, whenever you live, if you would simply be obedient to God, then he will prosper you. Now, I'm not saying necessarily health, wealth, and that kind of stuff, but he will provide for you. He will bless you. You will look up and you will say, you'll beat your breast and you'll say, God, you are so good to me. You will prosper. You know, Psalm 1, it talks about that. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the sea of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, and his leaf will always be green, and whatever he does shall prosper. I'm telling you this. When you know it's from God, then you're going to have a better chance of obeying. And when you obey, I promise you this, God will bless your life. And you will build. You will build your own temple. You will build your family temple. We will build this church. God will build his church. And if you go over to 1 Corinthians 3 talks all about building the church, the local congregation, just making sure you don't undo the foundation, which is Jesus. And then when you build, it's so cool to see. One day we will be rewarded. You know, David, you know, he couldn't do this on his own. Look what we read in verse 14. Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord, 100,000 talents of gold and 1 million talents of silver and bronze and iron, beyond measure, for it is so abundant. I have prepared timber and stone also, and you may add to them. And later, if you read chapter 29, I think it's verses 3 and 4, David gave out of his own treasury, and then everybody else followed, just giving, giving to the work of the ministry like I said earlier, probably about $8 billion equivalent today, just materials alone. And then he says, there are workmen with you in abundance. I love that. Woodsmen and stonecutters and all types of skillful men for every kind of work of gold and silver and bronze and iron. There's no limit. 
He says, arise and be working, and the Lord be with you. Are you working? Are you working out your own salvation with fear and trembling? For it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his own good pleasure. That doesn't mean you work for your salvation. Like I told you earlier, salvation is a gift. If you want heaven, you want forgiveness, you want freedom, I want you to know tonight, it's free. All you have to do is say, Lord, come into my life. But then we work. Then we work hard. And I think there's a lot of Christians that are lazy. They don't want to pray. They don't want to get into their word. They don't really want to serve and work the way that they should. You know, even in the world, they know that you have to work hard. And I read a story recently about Henry Ford. When he, he bought, I guess, the Lincoln Company, and they were financially going through some difficult times. He bought the Lincoln Company, I think at that time it was $8 million. It was a lot of money back then. But um, he noticed that there wasn't much of a work ethic among this company that he had acquired. And so what he did one day is he went and he cut down a tree and he put it uh, by the elevator in one of the floors where he found there were most, more problems, that people weren't working. And can you imagine this tree in this, in this floor? And nobody did anything. People stepped over it. People went around it. They said, well, that's not my job. And you know what ended up happening? Over, over days, no one wanted to work. So you know what, what Henry Ford did? He brought them all in, and he fired them. God does that sometimes. And I'm not trying to, like, scare you, you know, but sometimes the Lord will, you know, just say, all I wanted was someone to work. And a lot of times we're not really willing to. Now, you guys, are coming on midweek, you're different, probably. Pray for those who aren't here tonight. No, I'm just joking. But um, we all have to examine our own life. I do too. Right? Right here, he's just saying, man, you need some work. Arise, begin working, and the Lord be with you. And David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not given you rest on every side? For he has given inhabitants of the land into my hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now set your heart and soul to seek the Lord your God. Therefore arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy articles of God into the house that is to be built for the name of the Lord. You know, like I said earlier, David couldn't do it by himself. And so, uh, you know, Solomon gets that charge. David then goes and he talks to the other leaders. And what does he tell the other leaders? Build your own kingdom. No, he doesn't. He tells the other leaders, help my son, Solomon. Right? And it's so cool because we know that, man, they can't do this on their own. 
He asks them two questions that are, that are important. Is not the Lord your God with you? Can I ask you guys that question? Is the Lord with you? He's with you, huh? And look what he says there. there. Has he not given you rest on every side? And he has. He asked you a couple of questions, right? This is what they say. Um, the first generation, they work, they work, they work, they work, and man, God does a great work. The second generation usually enjoyed the benefits of their previous generation that worked hard. And then the third generation, they squander it. But what if every generation had a heart to seek the Lord? Because really that's the key. He tells these guys, this is what I want you to do. I want you to work. I want you to sweat. I want you to help my son Solomon do this thing. But the key for you and for any building project is to set your heart and your soul, verse 19, to seek the Lord your God. And how do we seek the Lord? Through prayer and the word. Prayer and the word. You know, recently I was sick. And, uh, you know, I just got slowed down. I, 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 I kind of, I don't know, I guess I couldn't do a lot. And so I was just at home. I'm sorry, sweetheart. I, you know, I can't mow the lawn. And sorry, I can't really even put the Christmas stuff away. I can't really do anything physical because I, I think, Maybe I had pneumonia. Just trying to play it safe, I guess you could say, because, you know, you get freaked out. People die from pneumonia, right? But you know what I was doing? I was just reading my Bible. I was just reading it and reading it and reading it and praying and praying and just reading my Bible and praying because we go through some times like that, some seasons like that. And I just really felt the Lord strengthen me that even though the outward man was sick or perishing so to speak the inward man was being renewed day by day I encourage you and some of you here you're fasting with us in the month of January and and you're praying and you're seeking the Lord and it's just so awesome I can I can sense it I can feel it but my prayer is that all of us here would do what, what, what this you know, text tells us. Set your heart. Prepare your heart to seek the Lord. You know, before you're a Christian, you can't seek the Lord. The Bible says no one seeks after God. No, not one. God seeks after you. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, God's been seeking after you. God's been chasing you. God loves you. My prayer is that you give your life to him. But then once you become a Christian, now you have the capacity to really seek him with all your heart. And so my prayer is that you guys, we would do that uh, tonight. Even as we have communion, man, may the Lord speak to you. May he encourage you as we uh, have the musicians come forward and as they lead us in worship. My prayer is that you would just don't worry about the person to the side of you, in front of you, behind you. Even try not to worry about too much of the circumstances and things that are going on in your life. My prayer is that right here, right now, we do our best just to give our attention to Jesus Christ. Let's seek Him. We hope you were encouraged by this study. 
If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.